Voice of St. Louis original podcast. Let's wrap up the week by wrapping up what you need to know from across the region in the St. Louis All Local from KMOX. Today is Friday, November 3rd. I'm Michael Calhoun, our top local story. This just in. There's a court ruling on the Illinois law which bans new sales of assault weapons and requires those who already own such weapons to register them with Illinois State Police. Opponents alleged it violated the Second Amendment, but the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals has ruled with the state and upheld the law. Governor J.B. Pritzker responds, saying the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals has affirmed what gun safety advocates have said from day one. Despite constant attacks by the gun lobby that put ideology over people's lives. Here in Illinois, we have stood up and said no more to weapons of war on our streets. Now Congress must act so Illinois is not an island surrounded by states with weak protections. Police continue to search for the driver involved in the viral hit and run outside of Crown Candy Kitchen. Alderman Shane Cohn's bill would bring red light cameras back to St. Louis intersections. He says proceeds from tickets would also go to make streets safer. What this does do is create a neighborhood traffic safety improvement fund and where you have incidents or intersections with high rates of incident, those would be qualified for that fund in order to have enhanced infrastructure, signage, striping. Cohn says he is taking data security and civil liberties into account. According to St. Louis police statistics, nearly 40% of all traffic accidents are hit and run crashes. Millions of dollars in public safety improvements are coming to Missouri as part of the COPS grants. Back in 2021, Attorney General Merrick Garland released his comprehensive strategy for reducing violent crime. The Eastern District of Missouri's U.S. Attorney's COPS office is receiving more than $6 million. This will include funding to hire more law enforcement officers in addition to providing criminal critical funding for school safety and advancing community policing. The State Public Safety Department has received more than $200,000 for the anti-heroin and over $1 million for the anti-methamphetamine programs. Maria Kina, KMOX News. A new position is being created in Jefferson County to recruit for the Sheriff's Department. The person's sole job is to engage with the recruits. And and hopefully be able to, to really grab them right from the instant that they they, uh, fill out an application with us. Grant Bissell is with the Sheriff's Department. He tells us Academy classes are getting smaller. The talent pool is now becoming the talent puddle. A Missouri man is sentenced to 35 years in prison for his involvement in two drug-related shootings in 2021. In August, 24-year-old Damarian Little pleaded guilty to two felony counts of drug and gun-related charges. Colin Dickey with the DEA tells KMOX Little and his co-defendant conspired to kill and steal marijuana from their victims. Each for about a half pound of marijuana um, on two separate occasions using social media. Um, to purchase marijuana from subjects. And when they did these two deals, they end up killing uh, three individuals as part of those two deals, and they stole the marijuana. Dickey says that then Little used his Facebook account to sell the marijuana they stole. Sean Malone, KMOX News. A KMOX follow-up. Jewish leaders in St. Louis continue their call for an apology from First District Congresswoman Cori Bush for her social media posts about the Israel-Hamas war. In one post, Bush referred to the ethnic cleansing of the Palestinians by Israel and called for an end to U.S. funding of these atrocities against Palestinians. KMOX political analyst John Hancock. Will it inflame uh, anti-Semitism and potential violence? I certainly hope not. Uh, She represents, I would imagine the largest Jewish population of any congressional district in the state of Missouri. And so there's a sense in which 
uh, she's, you know, taking a, a bold statement against her own constituency. The St. Louis Jewish Federation's letter said Bush's comments were, quote, fanning the flames of anti-Semitism. Will Illinois keep going with a controversial tax credit that supports private school students? We're about to find out. The Invest in Kids program incentivizes people to donate to private school scholarships. It's helped pay for nearly 10,000 of them per year for the past five years. But the program set to expire December 31st, and next week is the final time legislators will meet before then. Republicans generally support the program. Many Democrats want it to go away. A public school teachers union called it a backdoor voucher. Governor J.B. Pritzker campaigned against it, but lately he's been ambiguous, saying it's up to the General Assembly. And that it is during the last days of the fall veto session. Scott Jagow, KMOX News. It's a must-win game for City SC to keep their inaugural season going as they visit Sporting KC on Sunday. Tim Parker says they're looking to get back to playing a freer form of soccer. You know, there's a lot of guys here that don't have a lot of experience in the playoffs and postseason at all. So we want to encourage that freedom and that kind of aggressive, carefree attitude where that gave us so much success early on in the year. So hopefully we're able to get back to that. If St. Louis wins on Sunday, they'll host Kansas City on Saturday, November 11th. Coverage on KMOX begins on Sunday at 3.30 with kickoff at 4. The KMOX business desk, Tim Wentworth, the new CEO of Chicago-based Walgreens, used to be the chief executive of St. Louis County-based Express Scripts and appears to be getting the gang back together. Walgreens has hired Neil Sample as chief information officer. He was previously COO of Express Scripts and then CIO at Northwestern Mutual. Sample is also chairman of the board for the University of Health Sciences and Pharmacy in St. Louis. Walgreens is focusing less on retail and more on health services now. Well, as we continue on KMOX, there's a headline in the Wall Street Journal that St. Louisans can relate to. It says America's downtowns are empty. Fixing them will be expensive. And joining us right now is Conrad Putzier, who's a reporter for the Wall Street Journal. Uh, and, and Conrad, you know, we just had a, a photographer for Expedia, the travel website here, said that St. Louis looked to be uh, one of the emptiest downtowns that he had been in on his travels. What did you find uh, while researching this article? Yeah, and the data backs it up. I think according to cell phone use data, so basically tracking people using their cell phones, it seems like St. Louis actually has seen the biggest drop in downtown foot traffic since 2019 of all American cities, uh, ahead of Louisville and Kentucky and ahead of Minneapolis. Um, so there's certainly something going on there. Yeah, you took a look at uh, Minneapolis and Cincinnati as two major examples. What are, what are those city, cities facing? Is it uh, the migration of people to work from home and offices to the suburbs, or what else is going on? Yeah, the big, the big issue that these cities face is definitely remote work. So you have these office districts that are just geared towards commuters coming in and filling office buildings every single day. And now that people often have the choice to work remotely and don't have to come in every single day, you're seeing the obvious thing, more people deciding that I don't want to commute to the office for half an hour or an hour every day. I'd rather just work from home. And that is a huge issue specifically for cities where the downtown is all dependent on office space, right? You can... You can think of American cities as sort of on a scale. Like on the one end, you have places like Miami, Las Vegas, even Manhattan that have a lot of tourism and entertainment where offices really aren't like the sole focus. But then you have downtowns where it's all about offices. And you go downtown and it's these office skyscrapers, it's parking garages, it's hotels that cater to offices. And those are the places like Minneapolis that have huge issues now because if people don't go to the office, what else is left? There's really nothing left. 
Yeah, you drew drew an interesting comparison to uh, the 20th century transition from factories and industry in downtown areas and riverfronts like St. Louis and Minneapolis. Uh, that transition from factories to offices and now offices to, is it question mark? Is it residential? Uh, what does the future look like? So the future, I think, pretty much everyone agrees, the future is some version of a mixed-use neighborhood where you have offices still because offices aren't going away, right? There'll just be fewer of them. Uh, alongside apartments, alongside shops, parks, entertainment. And the idea is basically that that's, those are the kinds of things people want to be in, that, 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 are, that are successful. And I think the blueprint are these former industrial areas, right? There's places like Williamsburg in New York or in Minneapolis. You have the Mill District. These are areas that used to be just factories. And in the 1950s, 60s, and the decades since, those factories and mills all closed. And what replaced it over the years is basically neighborhoods where you have some lost apartments, some new office buildings, and lots of bars, breweries, restaurants, parks. And they're doing pretty well. And it's, it's, they're successful in part because people are able to live there and also work there. They don't have to spend all day in the car commuting back and forth. And the vision for office districts is to kind of replicate a version of that, to kind of find that same success. What are the struggles, though, with taking these old buildings that were built for one purpose uh, and transitioning them over, whether it's the, the physical challenges or, you know, we're looking at some of the older buildings here, the former May Department Stores, Famous Bar, Macy's Flagship Store, uh, financial issues uh, in terms of uh, the massive renovation that has to be done to that. What are the biggest challenges with this transition? Yeah, it's going to be really difficult, and it's going to take a long time. If you think about these industrial areas, um, it took a while to convert them to apartments and residential areas. And in those industrial areas, there's a lot of cheap land, and it's pretty easy usually to tear down a factory and build something else. Office districts are really, are really, really tough not to crack. If you want to convert office buildings to apartments, that's often really tricky because office buildings have these giant, deep, dark floors where basically you can have apartments on the outside, but on the inside, there's just no windows, right? No one wants to be in a windowless apartment. So that's a huge issue. You could tear down office buildings and build new, but that's really expensive, uh, especially in dense urban areas where it's, you know, sort of more difficult and expensive to move about, move around construction material. And on top of all that, debt has gotten really expensive and it's basically become impossible to get construction loans from many banks. So who's going to pay for all that? It's, it's really difficult. And um, I think the answer is just it's going to take a really long time. And St. Louis, we've seen a, a large transition uh, of many of the old buildings that we've got. Just a few are, are left to be renovated. Uh, and it seems like when they're turned over to residential, they fill up relatively quickly. We hear about occupancies at uh, 90% plus in a lot of the high-profile projects. Uh, but still, people walk around downtown and the streets seem eerily empty. Uh, what, what's the solution for that? And then, of course, you know, when you have people on the sidewalk, it uh, can help with other issues, everything from filling up the storefronts with retail, with the demand, or uh, driving away criminals uh, with people out on the sidewalks. But how do you get those people on the sidewalks to, to begin with? You addressed a really important issue. There's this, this risk of a downward spiral, right, where people just go, don't go to downtown anymore, and then all these shops and restaurants are left without customers, and then they shut down, and then it becomes even more depressing. So fewer people go downtown, and then more shops and restaurants close, et cetera, et cetera. And arresting that spiral is going to be incredibly difficult, right? And cities are trying all sorts of things. Um, one of them is just encouraging businesses to open, for example, by working with landlords to offer below market rents or some sort of revenue sharing arrangement, where basically you fill empty retail space uh, and get in, get in people at below market rents. 
another thing that people are trying to do is basically do these open container zones downtown where you encourage people to just be out in the street and have fun. Um, all sorts of things are being tried, like pickleball courts and parking garages or pop-up skating rinks. There's, basically, cities are trying to make downtowns fun, but it's tough, you know, and you can't just put, like, a pop-up skating rink uh, in a pickleball court downtown and expect people to all just flood back downtown. Um, it goes back to what we said earlier, right? It just, it's going to take a long time. It's not going to be an easy process. Have a good weekend and stay safe. You can subscribe and stay up to date. Search for St. Louis All Local on your favorite app.